0: Gracias por sintonizar nuestro podcast. Te habla tu servidor el pastor Mario. Esperamos que este mensaje te anime, te desafíe y hable a tu corazón. Disfrútalo. ¡Hola, hola, hola! Gracias, gracias. Entonces, al ataque. Okay. okay I'm very confused right now <laughs> Yeah, I don't know how to speak Vivimos en, en Ecuador Y unos dos años Y luego doce años en, en México Entonces, más o menos hablamos Pues antes hablemos, ahorita vamos a ver si todavía puedo hablar un poquito en español, pero más que nada quiero presentarles a unos amigos increíbles, Phyllis y Dennis, un aplauso muy fuerte otra vez, pie por favor. Y una princesa, pero de verdad, de verdad, de Dios. Más que increíble. No me digas increíble. Increíble es acá. Y mi esposa allá. Entonces, mi esposa Leslie, un aplauso muy fuerte. Ay, 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 dice... Okay, I'll try speaking English now. Oh my! It's so good to be here. Thank you. I I probably need to tell you how Fabi or Fabi <laughs> acts when she's not in your church. <laughs> she, you you know how she acts here. <laughs> Maybe later we'll talk about that. <laughs> we we had um, just such a good time with these guys. They came. We're part of a ministry called Fatherheart Ministries, and we do what we call we call them A schools and B schools. And and these guys they went to both. And and we really what they are is an encounter with God as Father. And so we spend a week, and and. You've got to understand from God's perspective for somebody to say, I want to give a week of my life to you, Father, just to know you better. And, and we don't have to even figure out the motivation, the why behind that. Just the fact that a human being in this planet will, will, will lean in and say, I will give one whole week to you, Daddy, is, is such a gift. And the fact that if, if you attend church here, the fact that your pastors are humble enough to go somewhere else and say, we don't have it all. And, and they just submitted to it. And they didn't just submit, but they drank. There's, there's this, this thing that if, if you're going to listen to good preaching, you don't, you don't listen, you don't take notes, you, you drink it. You take it into your heart. And believe me, these two, Mario and Fabi, they, they drank. We, we have this saying in our ministry, you can, I'm sorry, cameraman. <laughs> you can only give that which you've received. Unless you've received something, you, you can't give it. You can only give that which you've received. And so, and, and, and it's, it's such a spiritual principle. We have to, we need to receive from God as Father. And until we receive from God as Father, what we have to give, you no, know, and, and we'll, we'll touch some of this, and I'm sure you've touched a lot of this, but I, I came into the kingdom. I was, I was 22 years old. I was a, I was a little little guy, I thought I was a big guy, but I was a little guy. <laughs> and I remember I was I was in this bar. I was a bartender. I was a triathlete. I I, I made lots of money. I had my own business. I was a, had a home improvement business from when I was about 12 years old. I painted my neighbor's house, and then all my other neighbors wanted me to paint their house. And so I started to hire my friends to paint all my neighbor's houses. And by the time I was 16, I was making... Well more than I ever did as a missionary <laughs> we'll just say that and so I mean I thought I had it all i had I had money I had more money than I could spend I had my health I was a triathlete I had my own business that was successful I was a bartender i I didn't love Jesus at all I didn't know him I didn't know about him I didn't I, I knew very little about Jesus of course I'd heard his name, but I didn't I didn't know it was a person that wanted to love me. So I had all this stuff and I thought I was doing really good and I remember I was in this bar and I was talking to this little cute girl and tw- I was 22 at the time, 22 year old boys talk to girls <laughs> and they tell them they're awesome. They're like, I'm awesome. <laughs> you, should, you should probably take notice because I'm awesome. <laughs> And so I was telling this cute girl that I was awesome, and it was hard to tell whether she was believing me or not, but I kept talking. <laughs> and, and when I finished, because, I mean, in my head, I was, I was on my way to Australia, I was going to do a walkabout, I, was, I had all these big plans. And I, and I told her all this stuff that was in my heart to do with my life and my great athleticism and my great bartending skills and my business skills and my, my all the stuff. And, and she said this little line that, that changed my life and she said, I wanna live my life for Jesus Christ. What? <laughs> I, 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 I wanna live my life for Jesus Christ. And you know when somebody and, and this is where we're going to end up going tonight. But, you know, I can tell you stuff from my brain, or I can tell you something from my heart. But when something comes out of my mouth and it's perfectly congruent with what's in my heart, it has power on it. And so when she spoke that, the words had power. And if you looked in my city and you had a little, I don't know, potential Christianometer. <laughs> That's probably easy to translate. <laughs> if you looked at my city and said, who potentially could be a Christian? I would not be on that list, at least not this time. But because of the congruency between heart and the words that came out, I jumped. I should tell me about that. And she took me back to her apartment. Sounds, sounds... You know, okay. <laughs> I got down on my little knees, and instead of being the big guy, I knew that I was the little guy. And I just sat there, and I wept before who would become my God. And I confessed my sin, and I squeaked, and I cried, and I said, I, I want you, Jesus. I want everything about you. And I I knew nothing about Jesus. Zero. The The whole... The, the, the all, you take everything I knew about Jesus and put it all together, it was in this one sentence. I wanna live my life for Jesus Christ. I believe that this cute girl wanted to live her life for Jesus Christ and it wasn't because I wanted anything to do with this cute girl. I didn't. What I wanted was what she had, which was truth. And the truth was so solid because it came out of the purity of her heart and out of her mouth, and it was perfectly congruent. And I said, if there's something that true, I want to be part of it. And so I prayed. I received Jesus, which made my life really messy from that point on. (laughs) I, I married the little girl six months later. I think they call that flirt and convert, but <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> but there was something about our heart that was so true and so real that it, it drew me in. You see, I, I want to start by just saying this. You'll never know God through your mind. You're not gonna, you, you can't. We know God by our hearts. How we learn and grow and, and, and we're gonna spend some time on this over the next couple days, so if you're having doubt right now, that's appropriate. <laughs> but the place that he does business with us human beings we go all the way back to, to Genesis 3.15, and, and there's, there's a prophetic promise where God himself, when he comes and he finds that Adam and Eve have sinned, and, and he says, Adam, where are you? And, and, and Adam's hiding, and he's scared. And who, who told you you were naked? Oh, well, that guy over there. I mean, everyone starts pointing fingers. But God stepped into the middle of what seemed like a disastrous mess. And he said, from this point on, I'm coveting with you, man, that together in partnership, we are going to run the devil off this planet. He he could have said, squink these, pen por acá. Ahí, perfecto. Ya estuvo. He easily could have done that. But he didn't, he said, I'm, I'm taking these weak human beings and in partnership with them, we are gonna run the devil off the planet. Even though we're weak, even though we're broken, even though we're shattered at times, what I want us to do is begin to see who God really is. Let's, let's look at Matthew 11 Starting in verse 25. El Hijo de Dios vino precisamente para las obras del diablo. That's not what this says, but I just thought that was important for some of you. <laughs> verse 25. At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the prudent and have revealed them to babes. I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and have revealed them to babes. Now, Jesus is talking to the religious leaders of the day. They've they've all gathered around Jesus, and they're trying to understand him. And now, in the midst of them, he, he says some just amazing things and, and some of it we're, we're not going to get to all of it today but just this verse Jesus speaking to the religious who are questioning him about the kingdom and he's, he starts by saying I thank you daddy you see Jesus uses the word over and over again Abba <laughs> Abba what he's saying is daddy like, like a little child daddy It's so offensive to the religious. This is, they're talking about God Almighty. How dare you speak about God? (laughs) You're calling him Daddy? Like, where's the respect? Where's where's the honor due God Almighty? How dare you, Jesus, whoever you think you are, how dare you call him Daddy? (laughs) So, We've got a whole bunch of offense going on. Now, listen to what Jesus says. I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things, these things being the secrets of the kingdom. He said, you've you've hidden the secrets from these. The wise and the prudent. So the wise are those that, that know it all. They have all the answers. The prudent, they know how to apply the answers. So the wise and the prudent, they don't know it. But you've revealed them to babes. We, we saw some babies running up here in the midst of worship. Babies are unencumbered by being prudent or wise, <laughs> they, they just come to the presence, they come to the Father, they come running. It's not complicated, it's not tricky, it's not theological. When I said yes to Jesus, I didn't have theological arguments on why I should say yes. It had nothing to do with theological arguments. I learned those later. <laughs> and I'm still unlearning some of them now. <laughs> but I learned them later. What took me to Jesus? A cute girl? If it was just a cute girl, it wouldn't have stuck. It's been 35 years. I haven't veered. I haven't turned. I've walked steady with him for 35 years. So it wasn't just a good idea because I could get close to a cute girl and she'd pray for me and make me cry. Okay, so that that's not the reason. Then that means there had to be something real. No matter w- what she was at that time. She wasn't a traveling evangelist, she wasn't full of the holy, I mean she was, but she, she, she wasn't living a life that you would say, whoa, <laughs> Catherine Kuhlman walks again. <laughs> no, it, she, she was in a bar with a guy. I mean, it wasn't perfect, but there was something authentic and real Oh, Father, I'm, I'm so glad that you've hidden these things from the wise and prudent, but you've revealed them to the humility of children. If, if there ever was one that was humble and meek, it was Jesus. You, you, meekness is, is withholding the power that you have in, in, a, in a given situation. You see, Jesus, when, when he went to the garden, They came to to get him, a whole troop of men. And the Roman soldiers, they came, and they say, we've come for Jesus, and Jesus says, I am. And they all were flat on their face. Jesus could have stepped over them, walked right into Rome, and declared, I am in charge of the earth. And there's not a single human being that could ever, ever have stopped him. But what did Jesus do? He said, get up, get up. You can take me. I, I, and in fact, it's my great joy because I'm reconciling the kids with the Father. It's my great joy because I'm making a way when there was no way. It's my great joy because I am the perfect lamb. <laughs> You, you could never have taken... It says there was legions, 12,000 angels at the ready. These are the angels that walk with Jesus. These are uh, Isaiah talks about one of the, the little tiny angels that got out on a field one day, killed 80,000 men or 60,000. I don't remember the right number, but that's, that's just a junior angel stretching his legs. No, these these are the big angels, and they're trembling. They're, just say the word, Jesus. Like, they didn't get it. Are you kidding me? You're giving yourself to them? No, 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 no. This is just a setup. Just say the word. 12,000 of us at the ready. Let us go, and we will mop the place up. But he never said go. He held them back. His, His meekness held them back. You see, he had all the power, but meekness stooped to the lowest place. Went to the lowest place. That's what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, I'm, you've revealed it to them. You've revealed it to me as your son. You've revealed it to me as your babe. I've, I've come in humility. I've come in meekness. And that's how come I can receive your kingdom, Father. And the only ones that can, unless you become like a little child... The little literal word is unless you convert and become like a little child, you cannot inherit the kingdom of God. It's not possible. This starts to blow your mind after a while. Like, well, I thought it was you, you climb the ladder, you get better and better, you 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 get discipline in your life. And you exercise that discipline. (laughs) There's nothing wrong with exercising some discipline. We all do. But if our heart, if our heart isn't meek, humble, like a child's, as we come to our Father, this, this song, I run to my Father. Again and again and again and again. It doesn't matter if I feel good. It doesn't matter if I feel bad. It doesn't matter if I did well in, in, in my job or if I did poorly in my job or if I played the football game well or if I played the football game poorly. I still run to my Father. And in Him, in Him is where I find rest. In Him is where I can lean. <laughs> I don't have to perform. It says that he loves us because he loves us. Because he loves us, because he loves us, because he loves us. How many of you chase God down? God, you, you, you said one day I'm going after God. I'm gonna get him. I'm, I'm gonna figure him out. I'm going to study a bunch of books. I'm I'm going to figure out God. And then if, if I if I figure him out and I think everything looks right, I'm going to I'm going to walk with him. <laughs> Anyone? Yeah, all right. The Bible says, "While you were yet sinners," He loved you on your worst day. And, and, and I had some bad ones. On your worst day, he was loving you. Now, this is where it gets crazy. And, and we're not going to look at it today. We'll look at it tomorrow. But you just have to believe me for tonight. He's loving you on your worst day before you accepted Christ with the same love that he loves his son Jesus eternally past, eternally forward. That's, that's what he was doing. When you were out there in the world, and I don't know how much you were in the world, it doesn't even matter. Let me just say this, right now, <laughs> And, and I'm, I'm intentionally poking some of you, so it's okay if you feel poked. We're going to wrap it all up. But right now, there's, somewhere on this planet, there's the worst man or the worst woman. The worst person on the planet right now exists. I don't know where they are. I don't know who they are. But there's the worst somewhere. Somewhere. Our father is loving the worst human being on the planet right now with the same love that he's always loved his son, Jesus. I, I can hear your brains ticking. Like, whoa, what, what, wait a minute. Don't, don't, how do they get that? And I, I, I've been serving Jesus for years now. I, I pray, I fast, I pray for Israel I give give generously to the church, (laughs) right? We do all the right stuff. How in the world do they get what I get? How is that even fair? Father's loving them. We'll say the worst person. He's loving them. Same love that he's always loved Jesus with. While you were yet sinners, he pursued you with love. It was love that won your heart. It wasn't anything else. It was love. It wasn't theology. It wasn't that you were smarter than everybody else. It wasn't that you figure out this is the best system in which to live my life. It had nothing to do with any of those things. It only had to do with he was loving you and that love is what convinced you. So the worst person on the planet today, he's loving them. And love is trying to convince the worst human being on the planet right now that love is worth it. Now, can they reap the full benefits of that love? Absolutely not. The only way to the Father is through the Son. The only way we reap the benefits of that love is through a relationship with Christ Jesus. We believe in our heart. We confess with our mouth. Let's just be clear about that. But it doesn't negate the fact that he's still loving. He's still loving them, the worst, because he loved you when you were worst. So how can it be a bait and switch? He loved you when you were worst, and now you're in the kingdom, and so now it doesn't count anymore. You can't love people who are at their worst, just me now, because it's all about me now. (laughs) Do do you follow? He doesn't bait and switch us. He loves us. Because he loves us, because he loves us, because he loves us. He goes on. <laughs> Verse 26. Even so, Father, for it seemed good in your sight. And and there's a whole bunch of things that we could look at just about being good in the sight of our Father, but I don't want to take all night. <laughs> you said 12.30 we We're done? Okay. I just want to make sure I'm on time. Verse 27, all things have been delivered to me by my Father, Jesus speaking, and no one knows the Son except for the Father. Nor does anyone know the Father except the Son and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. So here we have two two exceptions to what Jesus said. All things have been delivered to my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son. Jesus saying, "No one can know the Father without the Son. Nobody knows the Father except the Son." Is literally what he says. So he's talking to the religious. The religious, they have spent their entire lives studying books, studying the law, studying the Torah. They knew the, the iterations of the law inside and out. They knew it perfectly. They studied. They from from like Samuel in the temple since two years old. They gave their life to the to the to the word to the law. And it, it brought them up to this point, but now Jesus is standing in front of them, and He's saying, I, "I love that your dedication. It's it moves my heart. It's beautiful. No, it's really nice. But none of you know my dad. Not one. Wait a minute. Like we've 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 given our lives for this. Yeah." but none of you know my dad. (laughs) Except I know my dad. And those whom I will will, those who I will make a way, those who will follow in my steps, those who will walk with me, those who will come into my milieu, those who will come and see, follow me, those, they will begin to see who my father is. But you, in the way that you've attempted to get to my dad, it's all futile. Not, not one. Not one. Can you imagine if I stood up here at the very beginning, and probably some of you right now are even feeling like I'm doing that, if I stood up here in the beginning and said, let's just get one thing straight. Only I know about Jesus. I'm sure you guys have done a lot of study and stuff. La, la, la. <laughs> Only I know Jesus. So, with that, let's get started. (laughs) Like, a few of you would probably be offended, I hope. (laughs) You'd be like, what? What do you mean? Could you imagine Jesus stepped into their world and he said, you know nothing about what you're studying. (laughs) You see, you can't get to my dad this way. And what I don't want you to hear is that I'm saying our minds are horrible things. Our minds are amazing. And, and one of the amazing things that they do is they, they give voice to what's going on in our heart. They give voice to what Father does on the inside. If, if, if I need a doctor, say I need brain surgery, I want the best brain surgeon ever, ever, ever. I I want the brain surgeon that knows how to get into my brain, do whatever he needs to do, close up my brain, close up my head, make it all look right, and it works still. Like, I want the guy that does that two, three, four, five, seven times a day. I want that guy working on my head. I want him to have studied, I want him to have traveled, I want him to look at all kinds of brains, I want him to know brains. If if I'm in trouble with the law, I want a lawyer. that knows the law and knows the way to, to manage the law in a way that it's favorable for me. I don't want him to cheat. I want him to do what's lawful, but I want him to know the law. I want him to have studied. I want him to, to anguish overnight about my case. I want him to think about it all the time. So the, the mind is, is amazing, creative. Oh my gosh, what has been put inside of us is endlessly beautiful but it's not gonna lead us to God. Let's look at Romans five. I just wanna make a quick point. Romans five and one, it says, therefore having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, now this word peace, it's a word that's translated, it's, it's Irene, and it, it literally means dovetailed. You know what a dovetail is? When, when you join wood with other wood in a way that you don't need hammer, nails, glue. You might need a hammer to push them together, but you don't need, you don't need to fasten them. They, they stay together permanently. It's a permanent situation. Now, what this verse is literally saying, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have been dovetailed to God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have dovetailed, we've been dovetailed with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have access by faith And it's the faith of Christ, it's not my faith, into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We'll go down to verse five. It says, now hope does not disappoint. I I just want to say hope, biblical hope, isn't what we think of when we think of hope. It's very distinct. Hope, when we say, "I, I hope, I win the lottery. I hope it doesn't rain today. I hope I get a raise at work. I hope that girl likes me. I hope that boy likes me. Whatever you're hoping for, that's just wishful thinking. Biblical hope is based on him in whom makes all things. It's based on God. It's not based on wishful thinking. It's based inherently and totally on who God is, his nature, his character. So then it goes on. Hope does not disappoint. It can't disappoint because it's based on God. Hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So here we have that we're dovetailed to God through Christ Jesus. and, And God, Father, pours his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Beloved, this is how he transforms us. This is how he he forms our character. This is how he puts his nature into us. It's not by might. It's It's not by strength. It's by the spirit. The spirit pours the love of God. And the love of God, when it comes into a human being, it takes up space. It begins to make us everything that God wants for us. Everything that pleases him, we begin to do naturally because he puts himself in us. Not because I've done the right thing or I've determined to do the right thing. Beloved, we'll get there in a minute. <laughs> let's, let's look at Proverbs four twenty three. Are you all doing all right? Are you understanding me? I can talk slower. Sometimes I get excited. Did I say Psalm? I meant Proverbs. Well, I'm in Psalms, so it doesn't look right. (laughs) It says, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of all life. This word diligence. It's literally a military term. And what it means is if you're gonna fight for this thing that is so valuable and, and what is so valuable in this in this passage is your heart. So keep your heart with all diligence. This this diligent word is is it it's based on the on a word that is, it's a Hebrew word that is based on bring all military arms, bring all barrage, bring all strength, bring all might. If you're gonna defend, if you're gonna die somewhere defending something, this is the place that you're gonna die, defending your heart. It doesn't matter what you have. Bring it all to bear. This is the single most important fight you're ever going to have. If you're going to fight, fight here. This is the place where you you give your last breath is what this passage is saying. So uh, let's look at it. (laughs) Keep your heart with all diligence. So bring it all to your heart. Defend your heart at all costs. For out of it springs the issues of life. The overflow of your heart is life. What comes out of your heart is life. The reason we guard this is because this is the place that God pours himself in, and as he pours himself in, what spills out is him. And so we fight for that, we, we defend that with all our might, with all our strength. Have, has anyone ever tried to be patient? Or a- acted patient. Maybe there's a situation. I don't know if you've ever been married, ever had kids. <laughs> I don't know, situations. And you say, if that ever happens again, I'm, I'm, I'm going to act patient. And you may even pray. You may, may call on God and go, God. <laughs> and you'll, you'll fast with your special friends. And, and you'll, you do the stuff. And... Nah. And then you get into the reality of pressure. What happens when pressure comes? What's in there comes out. When there's pressure, when there's crisis, it shows your heart for what it really is. You you can act patient for a long time especially if you're really determined, and maybe you have really strong will. And so you can, you can, uh, want that for a time, <laughs> but there comes a time when you can't, when it's too much, when, when you just one day go, ah, <laughs> oh, no, 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 I'm going to act patient. That, that doesn't count. <laughs> From now on, I'm going to act patient. We have a phrase calling lose your patience, right? So if you lost it, did you ever have it? Can you have it? Is it possible to be patient? Hmm. I'd say in our own strength it is impossible. Pero (laughs) para Dios no hay nada imposible. No, in God we can do this thing. I, I used to go to a place down in, in, uh, near New Orleans, Slidell, Louisiana, and, and they, they were part of Katrina, and now Katrina has been 15, 16 years ago. And, and we know the story, the levees broke, and this wall of water came through New Orleans and, and destroyed. Still to this day, New Orleans hasn't turned around there's neighborhoods that are still abandoned. There, there's some amazing stories that came out of that. I, I just want to tell you one because I usually tell the wrong, the other side. But there was, there was a neighborhood and, and there was all these houses, but it was a hill. And, and the guy at the top of the hill, people started climbing on their roofs because the water was rising to roof level and above. And so this man, he climbed up on top of his roof. Nobody really knew much about him. He didn't really interact with his other neighbors. Nobody, uh, he was just a quiet guy, cut his grass. He did a good job, didn't bother anybody, didn't say anything to anybody. But this particular day, he's on his roof and he's noticing he's high on the hill. And so all his neighbors are, are going underwater. What they didn't know about this quiet man is that he was a Navy SEAL. He's an African-American man and he, he saw that his neighbors were one by one being absorbed by the water and so he started to swim. That's what he was trained to do. And he swam and he grabbed one and he brought him back to his roof and he swam again and he brought somebody else back and he swam again and he did this 13 times. He brought 13 people back to his roof. The 14th time, they never saw him again. You see pressure came, and what was in his heart came out. Nobody knew it. Nobody knew who he was. Nobody knew that he had valor within him. Nobody knew that he had courage in him. Nobody knew that he was willing to give his life for his neighbor. Nobody knew that. Now, the Superdome... I know somebody, I've met somebody who was there. There was about 15,000 people. They locked the door because they didn't want people coming and going all night. So this is the first night. People are in chaos. There's uh, fear for sure is everywhere. There, uh, is life ever going to be the same again? Uh, are we going to have water? Are we going to have food? And, and there was some shelter within the Superdome, but they locked the door through the night. That's why you told me. <laughs> Throughout the night, there were gangs of men doing horrible things. We'll leave it at that. And the victims would scream out. And all that did is cause those who weren't being victimized at that moment to just huddle together. But there wasn't one person that stood up and said, no, no, we're not doing this tonight. We all have enough trouble as it is. We're not doing this tonight. Or one one worshiper just stand up and begin to worship. That didn't happen that night. What happened is many people were horribly harmed. You see, pressure came. And what was in their hearts came out. You see, they thought they could get away with it because it was dark. Because no one would know. Because no one could see. Nobody could call out loud enough. Nobody would come. And maybe all that's true. But but God <laughs> saw. God knows. Beloved, the most important thing is our heart. I, I have this this dream of, of becoming a little old man. <laughs> I, I want to live a long long life, I'm planning on that. But that whenever pressure comes as an old man, that instead of the bitterness, instead of anger, instead of all the things that can come out of a human being, the only thing that comes out of me is love. So how do we get there? I mean, it sounds great, but how do I, how do I get there? I, I want to be the guy who's willing to give my life for my neighbor. I don't want to be the guy who's grabbing his gun and hoarding for myself. How, how, do you, how do you cross the line? How do you land in one and not the other? 1 Corinthians 13 tells us. God is patient. So if you need patience, for example, what do you need more of? God is love. You need more love. You need more God. It's the same. (laughs) You need more of him. What if I told you that not only did you not need to act patient, you could be patient, but also you don't have to act like a Christian. What if you could just be one? What, what if everything that happened to you, you didn't have to figure it out mentally? Like, oh, I have to turn my other cheek. Okay, hit me again. Okay, I'll turn my other cheek. <laughs> like, what if? What if who God, His nature, His character just flowed out of you? You're you're driving down the road. And you're, you're going to make a right turn, but this guy comes screaming in from the left. He slams on his brakes. He doesn't make the turn. He bumps the corner, and he, you slam on your brakes. You mer- it's almost a disaster, and you're, whew. but he rolls down his window. He makes some gestures with his fingers at you. He, he maybe says a few words at you, and what comes out of your heart naturally? Oh, Lord, bless him. Brother, are you okay? That must have been scary. <laughs> it's a good check for all of us. I'm, I'm in, with us. <laughs> I don't. I don't react perfectly. For me, it's more my computer. That's where I. <laughs> like it, it has one job, and that's to be a computer. And if it's not doing that right, then. Come on. <laughs> the reason we guard our hearts, the reasons we, we put everything we have to bear at that place is because it's out of there that everything flows. Beloved, we're, we're not going to have time to talk about this this few days, but when you begin walking with God and you, you realize God is Father, and he, you, you make way for him to begin to pour his love into your heart, and you begin to walk with him and allow him to pour love into your heart, the first thing that happens is love goes into the lowest places. Love goes into the places that need love. The broken places, the hurting places, the, where there's been mistreatment, where there's been lies, where there's been, you know, deceit, all the stuff that happens to our hearts. God goes in those places and he starts to heal them up. But it's his love that heals us. It's him. He pours himself into us so that we begin to take on his nature, his character. Oh, it's beloved, it's so much better than it ever has been. So much better than anyone ever told us. You see, God... God himself, is it's him that wants to see us walk like him. He's determined to see that I end up more like him. It's, it's not me. <laughs> it's not that I want it, and of course I do. I, I just told you. But it, if I read my Bible every day, if I, if I fast, if I pray, if I pray for the right people, if I do the right things in the right posture, none of that... That's not the ultimate determinant. the ultimate determinant is that God wants to love me because I 'm his kid in the same way let's just look at it just I, I feel I feel like we're some of us are stuck on this point in the same way John seventeen hours before his death, Jesus on his way to the cross, he's having this intimate conversation with his father and John records it. So John 17. I just want to grab two pieces here. So verse 23, it says, I'm in them and you're in me. Jesus talking to his father. I'm, I'm in them being us, Jesus in us, you're in me, so the Father's in Jesus, that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. He wants us to have this ability to be one. He's talking about the glory that the Father gave him that he disperses to us. That glory allows us to be one as they are one. But then it gets even better down at the very end. Verse 26, and I have declared to them your name. And I will, and it's present continuous verb, I will continue to declare it. Jesus came to the cross to declare the name of the Father. It says 42 times in the book of John that the Father sent the Son. Now listen to this next phrase, and it it might be a little disruptive at first. Jesus did not go to the cross because he loves you. Jesus went to the cross because his Father loves you. Jesus does love you. But he didn't go to the cross because he loves you. He went because his father loves you. It says 42 times, just in the book of John, that the father sent the son. John 3.16, just one of 42 examples. Start it started out for me, I'm like lost right now. For God so loved the world, the earth, us, that he sent his one and only son so that we can all be sons paraphrase the end of this verse 26 i'll continue continuously declare it that the love which you have loved me may be in them and i in them jesus is declaring that he wants to be in us (laughs) He wants to dwell within us, and, and we could spend a lot of time just on the, the indwelling, the abiding in Christ, that I'm a new creation in Christ. I'm clothed in Christ. I've taken off the old clothes, and I put new clothes in. Paul uses a word, and, and I don't remember the word in Greek, but he takes two Greek words, and he smashes them together, and he uses this phrase, you're a new creation in Christ. He couldn't just use a word that was available because it never had happened before. This is something new. Man and God mixed together. We are mixed with the divine through Christ. I have the same relationship with the father that Jesus had. It's crazy. That means daddy... (laughs) It took me a long time to just be, <laughs> Like, I, I, I was part of holiness. I was part of, and, and I do have, oh my gosh, I have awe for, for God, his awesomeness, his beauty. His beauty is stunning. But I can also call that daddy. Actually, I prefer papa. Papa. Ven a Derrama tu espíritu por las partes más profundas de mi ser con tu amor. Déjame recibir de tu amor. Ayúdame. Aquí estoy. Tu hijo preferida, consentida, amado. Abrázame, papi. Brazame. Bésame con los besos de tu palabra. Pon las palabras en mí, mi, mi ser cambio mi ser por ser más y más y más como tú, papi. <laughs> oh beloved, that's where we can live. That's where we're called to live. But, uh, through Christ, that's where we, that's our portion. It's not based on anything I do. We are the righteousness of Christ. What that means in God, the righteousness of Christ in God, what that means is that I can't do anything, anything to become more or less righteous than I am right now. I can't add one drop to the ocean of righteousness and become more righteous? What if you were able to just walk with him? And what's, what's so amazing is that outside I look very much the same as I did. All the stuff I'm talking about is interior. It's all on the inside. I still pray, I still fast, I still worship. I still pray for Israel, I still give generously. For some people that's huge, it's biblical, it's good. But if I pray for Israel all day, every day, for every day of my life, it doesn't make me any more righteous. You see our problem is we we fast. <laughs> and then we go oh, godly. <laughs> <laughs> Stasena, <you know? laughs> and, and we start we start questioning one another. What we're doing is we're comparing. Yeah. I want to know if I'm doing better than you. If I am, then <laughs> <sniffs> <laughs> No me Yes. <laughs> like, it's this assumed righteousness. And what it is, is religion and legalism. And what it does is, is take the life out of everything. It ends in death every time. You see, what I'm doing to him, even though it's chistoso, <laughs> is I'm degrading him. I'm telling him that he's less than me. I'm telling him that his effort, which to him is monumental, to fast for a day, I'm saying it's kind of worthless. It's like kindergarten stuff. I mean, if you're a real man of God. (laughs) Right? And so I've just humped all this crap on him, made him feel about this big, and then I give him a, Just even And, and I feel puffed up. And he feels horrible. Is that the Christian life? How should he feel when I leave a conversation with him? He should feel love. L- listen to this. I-, I love this. If you minister to somebody, they may or may not feel loved. But if you love somebody, they will feel ministered to. And all this adding to our righteousness business, <laughs> our little gotero, <laughs> it adds up to nothing. It means nothing. It's, it's, it's actually alive from the pit of hell that I'm doing something to add to my righteousness. Now this is that nuance, this is that tiny little line that we have to serve. Some people can go, oh, well now you have license to do anything. <laughs> now you're going to go out and chelando and quien sabe que. If I'm asking God to fill me with his love, am I going to go out drinking and no. carrying on? and like? How is that reflecting him? It's this tiny little line. And it's wide open spaces of freedom. You see, as soon as we detach ourselves from comparing, from challenging, from, from aspiring, to doing better than you, to being in competition, as soon as I detach that, and that's not part of my programming, now all I have is love. Oh, it becomes just wide open spaces. Now my job isn't to do all the right things in the right way in the right time. Now my job is just to love. We all can do that. And when we fail, we turn to him and say, Papa, help me, I need, I need more love in this part of my life. If, if, if we find ourselves not acting patient, we go, oh, this is an opportunity. Look at, did you, did you see that? Oh, I just acted a fool. I was, I was out of control. I was a maniac. I love it. Because that means Papa's showing me that because he wants to fix it. He's not trying to make fun of me. He's just going, oh, my I love you. I'm sorry. That must have felt horrible. Come here. Come here. Mm. It's his goodness that leads us to repentance. It's his kindness. You see, we, I don't have to tell you you screwed up. We know when we screw up. I don't need somebody to smack me and go, oh, you screwed up. I know. (laughs) I've been smacking myself for days. (laughs) When we screw up, what do we need? We need love. We need to be scaffolded. We need to be surrounded by those who love him, who love us. And and as they surround us, what they're calling on is God to go to that place, whatever that is, that broken place, and pour your love into that place. Set him, her, free. Set them free. So that their reality is the wide open spaces, not this myoptic me, 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 me. I'm better than you. Whew. At least I'm better than you. That's <laughs> not you, but you know. Three more hours? Okay. Nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Okay. I'm just going to run through two quick verses, and then we'll, we'll finish. But that was only two quick verses we've done so far, so. <laughs> Just so you understand what I mean. 1 <laughs> Corinthians 8 and 2. And this is Paul, the apostle, and, and he's, he's kind of having this conversation about the mind versus the heart. And what I want us to understand is that I am not against your mind. <laughs> I, I want that to be super clear. I love what God has made when he made the human mind. I think there's, there's pieces of it that we don't use fully. I think, I don't know what the real statistics, but it's somewhere between 1% and 10% that we're able to, to use. What that says to me is that God made us with a capacity that's unfathomable right now. You see, I, I, I ask him often for wisdom. I don't want my wisdom. I don't want something I can contrive. I want heavenly wisdom. Help me understand, Father. Help me understand you, how this whole thing works. <laughs> Help me feel your love. You see, most of my, my wisdom asking comes from my heart. Now concerning things, uh, 1 Corinthians 8 now concerning things offered to idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. Or, or if you're going to build something, you, you want to build it with love. Paul, and Paul says this himself, he was the this Pharisee of Pharisees. He, he was brought up in, in the most legalistic sect of Judaism. And as he rose, he rose as the smartest kid on the block. He was the one that the teacher would point to and go, why can't you be more like Saul? He gets all his homework right. He's six months ahead of the rest of you. Why can't you be like Saul? And Saul just loved it. He's like, I'm the greatest. (laughs) And he rose up being the greatest of the Pharisees, which is I mean that's uh, in it, it's like in, in 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 football it's it's like Ronaldo or or, or what's it, Messi or I don't know who the best guy is anymore but those are two good ones <laughs> and with all this this knowledge that he gained by study what he said to his leadership is if it would be all right what I'd like to do is I'd like to spend the strength of my youth, finding every Christian on earth, every man, woman, and child, and I want to put them to death. Would that be all right? They say, yeah, all right, go for it. And so Paul, can you imagine the smartest guy of of all Judaism? He gives his life to murdering, finding every man, woman, and child that confesses Christ and murdering them. That's who Paul was. And so Paul's, now he's starting to, he was blinded. He got knocked off his high horse. Remember the story? He was surrounded by light. And, and this voice came and said, why do you persecute me? Oh, okay. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you see. I'm going to show you some things. So hang on to your horse. It's going to get rough here. That Paul is the one saying this. Knowledge puffs up. But love edifies. What he's saying, if you want to build, you build things with love. Knowledge, just knowledge for knowledge's sakes. What I found in my own life is what Paul's saying, is that it just makes me think I'm better than everybody. And that leads to nothing. The things that lead to something is love itself. So if you want to build something, if you want to create something, if you want to build a family, if you want to build a house, if you want to build a church, if you want to build a community, you've got to build it with the cornerstone being love. That's, that's what he says. And if any, anyone thinks that he knows anything, he knows nothing yet as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, this one is known by him. I mean, there's so much little innuendos here, but if anyone loves God, this one is known by him. You see, as, as, as we receive his love, we reciprocate that love, and as we reciprocate what he's already given us, it's crazy. We get to know him. I was lost, stumbling around in the world in darkness. I, I had no idea what I'm doing. He sent this cute little girl to say, "I, I just want to live my life for the Lord Jesus Christ." Uh, suddenly, I could see. I was blind but now I see and now I began to walk in a way that I could I could see I could I could live I could build through love and and what he was saying at the end is as God loved you you reciprocated that love and now as as that cycle goes he loves you you reciprocate he loves you we respond to him loving us that's how we got into the kingdom He takes us out of darkness and places us into the kingdom of the son of his love. We're placed into this new kingdom. And in this new kingdom, we begin to see in a way that we've never seen before. We begin to not just reciprocate, but receive and know who God is. That's what love is. It's this cycle of of growing in love and knowledge, not, not knowledge here, but knowing who he is. It's like you have coffee with him every single day and long hours of conversation. That's, that's how we know somebody. If, if you and I went and sat and had coffee every day for a year for four hours, every day, eight to noon, every day, you would know some things and I would know some things, hopefully. <laughs> but this is supernatural. God pours himself into us so that we start to take on his nature, his character. And that leaps out of us and loves him back. And then he pours more in. And that leaps out and loves him back. And this reciprocal relationship, we begin to know who he is because we're becoming like him. Last verse. Second Corinthians three, 2 Corinthians 3.2. And then we'll go take, take a sleepy time. Verse 1, on 2 Corinthians 3, do we begin again to commend ourselves or do we need, as some others, epistles of commendation to you, letters of commendation from you? So Paul begins this letter. Now, the church in Corinth, if we just go back to First Corinthians, we, we know at Mars Hill, Paul had preached and and maybe two or three people came to the Lord in Athens. From Athens he went to Corinth. And then it, it just just his heart changed so much between Athens and Corinth, at least in my opinion. 1 Corinthians 2 just I just I'll read this to you. Just listen. And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except for Christ Jesus and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and fear and much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom. That sounds like a great poster for a conference, doesn't it? (laughs) Like if Mario had said, Oh, you, you got to see this guy. I really want you to hear him. Let me tell you about him. He, he's not going to have much excellent speech. He can barely talk, he, he's got no wisdom. Um, yeah, I, he, he'll talk about Jesus Christ and him cru- crucified, but as he does it, he's going to be weak, he's going to be full of fear, and he, he actually trembles, he just shakes. He's scared to death and, and you can feel it and you can hear it in his voice but it's really good. But, and his speech and preaching were not persuasive from the perspective of human wisdom but then it takes a turn. But in demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men but in the power of God. You see, Paul took a shift there. In, in Athens, he was proud of kind of the way that he wove their culture into what he spoke and, and, and said some great things, but at the end of the day, there wasn't great movement of God. There's no demonstration of power. He goes to Corinth in humility and fear and trembling and, and, and really focused on Christ and Christ alone. And then he begins to preach, and the power of God is released. And people don't remember Paul or, or, or what he said even necessarily. What they remember is that they met God that day. And now there's revival in Corinth. And so Paul's writing them a letter reminding them, do we need to begin again or commend ourselves or do we need as some others epistles of commendation to you or letters of commendation from you? So it's common in this day if you were a preacher and you're going around and you know the church is starting to, to roll a little bit, you would come around to a church You go, here's my letter of accommodation. Let me just read it to you. When Leonard is present, there's power, angels. He spends most of his time in heaven. And there's always signs, wonders, miracles. It's amazing. Amazing. It says it right there. Amazing. So what do you say? I come back and do some preaching. So so there were these super apostles and they were going around and they, they had this, this Vita that was amazing. They, and it was like, woo! And so now Paul, he's coming back to the church that he planted. He's, he's actually, and he kind of alludes to it. He doesn't say it directly, but he says it very directly to them, not to us as a direct. But he's saying, he starts to list out the prophecies that he's fulfilling in being with the church. And he's saying, if it wasn't for me, you wouldn't even exist. So what the church is doing is they've taken a whole bunch of these letters of accommodation and they're saying, yeah, Paul, we'll put you in the pile and we'll let you know. <laughs> and Paul's like, dude, <laughs> like, I planted this church. You wouldn't even exist if I didn't exist. Like, he's hurt, but he's also like, <clears throat> <"Atencion>, por favor. <laughs> Abre sus ojos. (laughs) Listen to this. You are an epistle written in our hearts, known and read by all men. Clearly, are an epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but in the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on the tablets of flesh, that is of the heart. So, just to unpack it really quickly, I don't want to take a lot of time. But what he's saying is, you're an epistle written on our hearts. What what Paul is saying is, ministry is that we write on one another's hearts. We write a letter. We write a a a letter on one another's hearts. Ministry isn't anything other than that. And he's saying, we wrote on one another's hearts, and now you're saying, get in line with these super apostles? And, and later he starts to make fun of them. But right now he's, he's just kind of like, come on, guys. Like, for real? I've got to get back in line with these super apostles? <laughs> like, he's saying, no, 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 no. We've written on one another's hearts. You see, when I'm up here speaking, it's I'm not, I'm not trying to reach your head. I'm not trying to intellectually take you somewhere, although you may go somewhere intellectually, but more than that, what I want is for God to do something in your heart. Amen. I'm talking while I'm waiting for God to start doing something in your heart. And that's what Paul's saying. We're connected in, in, in a sincere heart-to-heart way. And and what's even scarier is he says that our hearts can be read by all men. First First century church could read hearts. Can we still read hearts? I'll do lab my lab. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Safe <laughs> way. Oh. Mm. 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 Yeah, she's I can just talk loud. So what was I saying? Can, can we read hearts still? That, that's the question. Because Paul says hearts can be read by all men. This, this, is, this is critical, I think, particularly for us today in this, this time. If you look at our churches, and I get to go to the church around the world, but what I find is there's less and less and less young people in the church. Why is that? I would say that the, the, this generation, we'll call them Generation Z, or the generation that's coming before and after them, kind of this group of kids, I can call them kids now, <laughs> they, they have the ability to read hearts. And they walk into our churches, and they, they have this meter, and it checks, is there congruity between the heart and what's being said? Or is there some distortion of that? If there's any distortion, they run, and they don't come back. You see, we're, we're accustomed to come to church, and we go, How you doing? ¿Qué onda, hermano? Dale. ¿Cómo está? Eso... Like, we, we say, how are you? What's up? God is good all the time. Hallelujah. And we keep moving down the row. How you doing, brother? Como esta? Todo bien? Por supuesto. Dios es bien. And, and we, we say this stuff because we don't want to stop. We don't want to look into the eyes. We don't want to read each other's hearts. Because if we read each other's hearts, then we would know what was going on on the inside. And if we knew what was going on on the inside, we, we wouldn't just leave them. We would go, oh, hermana. <laughs> Why don't you and my wife and I get, let's go grab some coffee. I want to I hear what's going on behind those eyes. I want to know the story. I'm, I'm reading it right now. But I want to hear it from you. I want us to sit down and talk about it. Because you're important. You're important to me. You're important to this place. You're important to God. And he's loving you right now. You see, it's hard to even look at each other in the eye. Because we're so used to just hallelujah. when we stop and look and listen and read each other's hearts he knows he knows what's going on and I don't even have to figure all the stuff out I can just say I see you I see that you're hurting and I can tell you that he's loving you right now and it's going to be okay What if that was church those kids that come in they'll go wait a minute like they're they're acting real around here Maybe maybe I'll stick around just today <laughs> I mean I don't blame them see what what Paul's showing us is that ministry is writing on each other's hearts each others so that means i'm writing on yours but you're writing on me half of what i said tonight is because of you not because i have half what i said tonight isn't on this piece of paper maybe more if you pulled it out of me you you're like i want to know about this in my heart will you write this on my heart will you write I, i can feel i can hear the questions and so i'm answering the questions you might think oh he's just going along I'm not. And Paul's going, we can read each other's hearts. In fact, all men can read hearts. The world can read hearts. And they're really good at it. And and they're getting better. This generation is so sharp. I would even say that they're like, I don't want to give them too much. (laughs) But they are smart. In, in intuitive heart ways that we haven't seen in generations, maybe ever, going all the way back to Adam and Eve, maybe. There's something open in their hearts, and I think because they're supposed to read and write on each other's hearts, but they're all supposed to do something for the kingdom. And right now, they come and they go, I want, I want a place where I can authentically be known and know. I don't want some guy standing up on top talking down at me. I, I want to connect. And, and it's, 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 not, it's not the pastor, it's the, it's the people, it's us. We're the family of God. We're, we're a light on a hill. We attract people, they come, and when they come, that's when the stuff happens. They experience love or they don't. They, they get their hearts written on or they don't. Their hearts are red or they're not. And don't take this as condemnation to you. This is, this is the church worldwide. So it's not gente con propósito. It's, it's la iglesia Mundial. clearly you are an epistle of Christ. So he he then starts to delineate and he he starts to talk about where this stuff is coming from and we're not going to spend the time on that tonight, but clearly you are an epistle of Christ ministered by us. So he doesn't take the minister out. I'm important to God, to, to this process. Ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the spirit of the living God on tablets of stone, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh, that is the heart. Like what happens here is that God, through the Holy Spirit, writes on your heart, writes on my heart, and we're transformed. That's, that's Paul's argument for the heart, as opposed to knowledge that just puffs you up. If, if I, I could tell you lots of things. I could tell you Hebrew words, Greek words, Aramaic words, and, and twist you up into a little knot until you go, I don't even know what he's saying anymore. <laughs> to what end our end always always has to be love and what God is doing on the earth and, and it's not this ministry that we're part of it's what God the father is doing on the earth is he is approaching the sons and daughters as a father and he's pouring love into them he's transforming them he's changing them into his likeness and he's releasing them on the earth to do the same To declare his name, to to show the earth who he is. You see, the earth, the earth right now doesn't know God as a father. They know God as a far and distant, angry man that commits genocide. If you're on the street talking to people about Jesus, the first thing they'll say, well, what about his dad, God? He's this genocidal maniac. You want me to crawl up into his lap? Are you nuts? We're not going to answer that right now. I know I just opened up a can of worms, but we'll just leave that and put it back closed. I just, why don't we just stand up, just put our hands in our hearts. You can sit. Mm. Wherever you think your heart is, you can just put your hand there. We're going to say, Father, we... We just thank you that you're a good, good father. And right now you're loving every single one of us with the same love that you've eternally loved your son Jesus with. Father, it is as much as we've confessed Christ as our Lord and Savior, that we've believed in our our hearts and confessed with our mouths that Jesus is Lord, Father, we can reap the full benefits of that love. And some of that is that we can read one another's hearts, that we can write in one another's hearts. But even greater than that, as we receive love, we begin to become everything that God is. Patient, kind, Long-suffering, loving, full of wisdom, full of kindness. Till we become so much like him that we don't have to act like a Christian, we get to just be one. We don't have to measure and weigh what we're going to say or how we're going to say it, but we get to just be free and be a son of Almighty God. We begin to live a life appropriate to who he is as our father. So, Father, right now, just pour love into our hearts. There's some here that are, are aching longing for your love and they've never experienced you loving them as a father A father i i can i know from from my own life that it was surprising it was more than i ever dared ask for and he doesn't ever stop he just keeps loving he doesn't run out he doesn't give too much to somebody else he has all the love that exists and he never ever runs out and your portion as a son as a daughter is to just say papa papi just pour your love into my heart en mi corazón ahora mismo Hasta las partes más profundas De mi ser oh, Te clamo papi te, te crezco Aquí estoy Tu hijo Tu hijo amado Love me. Love me with the same love that you love, your son, Jesus. It's my portion. It's my inheritance. And I don't have to do anything to earn it. You just give it. And as you give it, I begin to take on your nature and character. And as I begin to take on your nature and character, I begin to walk in a way that is everything that you believe a Christian is. <laughs> and it's no longer an act. It's just who I am. I get to be a son of Almighty God and live in a way that's appropriate to who my dad is. So I thank you, Papa. I thank you, Papi. Te lo gracias, Papi. Te do gracias que soy tu hijo, tu hija, Tu princesa consentida, tu amado. Te lo gracias. Thank you, Papa. Thank you. Amen. Amen. So we'll be back here in the morning, 10:30, and we'll continue the journey. Amen. Amen. Amen.